Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business, and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com. Welcome to the RA Edge podcast. This is Mark Bruno, Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa, and we are thrilled to have a very special guest here today. We have JC Abu Saeed, who is the CEO and President of Halbert Hargrove out on the West Coast, where RA Edge is heading at the end of September for our first ever RA Edge West conference. JC, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you in advance for joining us at the first ever RA Edge West um, at on September 27th out in uh, Marina Del Rey and Ritz Carlton. You guys are in a beautiful part of the country. We couldn't help ourselves <laughs> but make it a point to get out there. So thank you very much for joining us here this morning. We really appreciate it. I have been an observer of Halbert Hargrove for quite some time. This is actually my first conversation with anyone there. Um, so, JC, thank you for offering to give us a look under the hood. You've been, from a distance, one of the most well-run, one of the most successful RAA firms in the industry. You've grown really thoughtfully and really strategically, and we'll pick that apart here today. I'm really interested in letting our listeners know what it is that's been driving some of your growth and success. But before we do, maybe you could start by giving us a proper intro to Halbert Hargrove. Um, what types of clients do you frequently work with? What would you consider to be your core special specialization? And how do you differentiate yourself from others that are in the California region? Sure. Um, so our clients are individuals from families. Uh, we, we use the term discipline savers, usually 40 to 65 year olds. Uh, we used to focus on endowment, foundation, retirement plans, institutional type business. We, we've moved away from that. Uh, that was something we did and finished probably from, I would say, maybe five years ago. And pretty much we haven't pushed uh, clients out, but we, we, in essence, don't acquire new clients and then we don't renew RFPs. But um but that, that phase of, of, of the transition is done. Uh, in terms of differentiation, obviously, we, we, we focus a lot on, on clients that uh, are retiring, people that have saved, uh, clients that have sold the business. And then we, we use an approach. Um, it's a little bit different in the industry, which uh, is uh, we focus on their life phase and not it's not about their chronological age. It's more about their financial phase. Um, traditionally, um, it's it's the right the accumulation transition, the accumulation. We we use words that are more friendly for clients. It's the build and grow, the transition, and then the distribute and deploy phase. And the idea is that we're looking at the the ratio of the assets they have today versus the the assets that are coming tomorrow. And then we look at their expenditures and that's how we determined what needs to be done with them. It's not only uh, in terms of portfolio management asset allocation, but also on the wealth management side, what deliverables they need. 
according to the different phase they're in. You're giving me flashbacks to my days when I used to work in sort of institutional asset management, and we would talk about asset liability matching for defined benefit pension plans. There um, you go. Always wondered when it would make its way into the wealth space. And it's actually, you know, there, there is a, a nice movement there. And I think the way you've just articulated it um, is one that I think will resonate not just with a lot of financial advisors, but with a lot of clients and individuals who really need help, especially when they pivot and are getting either closer to retirement or they're in retirement um, and there's less growth right, and more income. Um, so, you know, JC, thank you for teeing that up. I appreciate it. And that actually sort of brings us to you know, my core question that I wanted to ask you. I've been asking a lot of guests on the RA Edge podcast, and I was also asking a lot of individuals when we hosted the Wealth Management Edge conference in May. You know, our overarching theme was while markets have been incredibly volatile for the last 12 to 18 months, um, the most challenging market environment I think advisors and their clients have experienced in you know, a decade or so, of course. Um, we really, truly believe that it, while well, it's sort of bear market territory, depending on the day or the month, um, it's a bull market for financial advice, uh, especially given demographics, right? Um, the number of people heading into and needing to get through retirement. Um, I personally believe the need for financial advice has never been greater. You know, the access has never been greater. And the opportunity to grow has never been greater for financial advisors. So before we get into the Halbert Hargrove growth story, first question, do you agree or disagree that it's a bull market for financial advice? And if so, why? I, I do agree. Uh, I think what's happening is I think individuals, families, anybody that is thinking of saving for the future or retiring uh, is very aware of, of all the different options that exist. More than ever, we find that uh, the public understands our industry more. Uh, that's good or bad, depending on your point of view. We, we think it's good because people are more educated. Uh, they have more knowledge. Uh, when we start interviewing potential leads, it is obvious they've done their research. It is obvious they, they know what to look for or they think they know what to look for. And uh, they're, they're scouring uh, you know, the Internet uh, and trying to figure out what is the difference and what are the services. Uh, they're more demanding, but but again, there, there's definitely I I definitely consider there's a boom. Um, there's a bunch of uh, the, the demographics speak for themselves. There's a lot of people that are retiring and they want to seek professional help. They know uh, with with the with the market volatility and all the the issues we've gone through from the pandemic to, like you said, the recent volatility, I think people more than ever understand the need uh, not to mess things up and to seek professional advice. Yep. Especially just to tie it into your point earlier around mass matching or managing assets relative to liabilities. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Investing is easy <laughs> when you're earning an income and you're sort of trying to accumulate wealth. I shouldn't say it's easy. It's most definitely easier, right, than matching assets and liabilities in the way that you were talking about before. And that's where you know, the need for a professional um, is critical. Um, so I think you guys are in a great position. Um, and I know you've experienced a lot of growth. So maybe we can walk through a little bit of your growth story uh, because I think our listeners could learn a lot. Um, we have talked about on RIA Edge, you know, a lot of different ways that firms have grown over the last decade plus. Um, you know, typical firm doubled, you know, might have even tripled in size if they were doing M&A. Um, but we've seen, obviously, market appreciation drove up until last year, a lot of growth for the majority of firms. 
for firms like yours, I know organic growth has been driving a lot of your success. So maybe you can walk us through what some of the contributors are, the primary contributors uh, to Halbert Harker's growth. You know, how much came from organic uh, versus inorganic, whether that's M&A or recruiting. I think it'd be really helpful to understand the balance and the contributors. For sure. Um well, uh, our, our story is somewhat simple because uh, uh, none of it has come from the M&A or recruiting. Uh, in essence, uh, the growth is coming from, uh, it, it, it's organic. It's one client at a time. Uh, it hasn't been uh, consistent, linear, or, or uh, uh, a great uh, success from day one. We struggle with it. And in essence, I... I I attribute our growth and our strategy mostly to the fact that um, there was an opportunity to sell the firm back in the early 2000s, and we turned that down. Uh, Russ, our original founder, uh, back in the day when the option was there, just chose not to. Um, and as we evaluated the reasons and we all came together, we all realized uh, which is, I think, the, the, the reason why we're still here and doing what we're doing, which is uh, he never founded the firm to sell it and eventually kind of get to the point where he would be uh, set and retired. It was never about maxing the value mm -hmm. of the firm and selling it. Um, it, it was about uh, doing what he really liked to do, and he wanted to have a, a legacy. He wanted the firm to be sustainable, wanted the firm to provide opportunities for all the associates. They wanted everybody to have, you know, a, a bright future and a place to go home. And, and, and that became part of the culture where we're just not that firm that is looking for a pop. We're not looking for somebody to take us out. We're not looking, we're not looking to maximize uh, the value of the firm for somebody. Uh, so I think with that, that allowed the freedom to then pursue Okay, how do we become sustainable, and mm -hmm. uh, and how do we grow, and how do we do things on purpose, based on taking care of us, taking care of our clients, not you know looking for that uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, as they say. And so, I love the simplicity of it because there's been, if you look at you know, wealthmanagement.com over the last five years, we've probably written three hundred stories about mergers and acquisition. Um, and I was in the investment banking and consulting space for a little while and saw just how much emphasis there was on growth through M&A. Um, and even just a number of questions, the firms that didn't really think they should be doing it felt like they should at least be asking about it, right? Um, so uh, very impressive that you've been able to avoid that FOMO uh, and that you've been able to stay focused on the organic growth side of things. If you could maybe offer a little bit more detail on you know, i know you mentioned one client at a time right but how do you approach finding that next client right and what have been some strategies or tactics that have been particularly successful for you absolutely mark and you know as as, as anything you do uh there there's there's timing and luck and and things getting aligned so um I, I think it all came from the creating the sustainable firm. And I know it's not exactly related, but you'll see how it relates here. Give me a second mm -hmm. to explain it. But um, so our original group of advisors, the, the, the people that got the firm to, to kind of critical mass um, were what we call the generation one. And, and we knew we needed advisors to support them. 
uh, right, for the succession plan. Uh, sure. They were getting older, uh, the, the, the capacity to generate business was being affected. So we knew, okay, we, we need to make sure and, and get going with that. As we did that and we started bringing up uh, the next generation of advisors, and by the way, we skipped most of the industry went from the G1 to the G2, I would consider myself to be a G2. Um, and we have only two more associates at the firm that I would consider G2. So those advisors that we recruited or grew within, a lot of the people in our firm are grown from within, uh, to become advisors are definitely G3s. So what, what happened is we got to the point, this is maybe uh, late 2010, maybe 2013, we realized, oh my gosh, we have a, a group of of, of advisors that are able to service clients and all we need is just a little more horsepower in the client generation side of things. And we thought we could recruit there, Mark. We, we, we went out on a recruiting spree uh, and that did not end up well. Okay. Uh, so, so the story is not as uh, pretty or as uh, straightforward as you might think. Uh, because we thought, hey, the, the, the hard part about our business is servicing clients consistently and making sure that you know clients are uh, really happy with us. Um, so uh, that that didn't work out. And then what we found was that our that second tier of advisors was able to generate business, uh, but they were loaded. Right, their their job was succession. Their job was to transition all the clients from their senior advisor uh, to them. And they didn't have enough time, so uh, we we started working on succession plan for the mm -hmm. for the G three, if you would, uh, and we bulked up our teams. And then what we we did, what we thought we would never have to do, which is we started adjusting our culture a little bit to be more sales oriented. And I don't know if it's luck, or our recruiting was brilliant uh, back in the day, but uh, this G three generation that we have is capable of generating business. Now, don't get me wrong. I know we've given them the tools and the support, the teams, um, but 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 that's what we've we've done. We've grown it all within. It's been very painful uh, in the beginning. It's very rewarding now. Uh, I have a big smile on my face right now. Um, and and by the way, we have never completely ruled out M and A. Uh, yeah. It's just that we're going to be very picky, right? Because right. by going through the transformation that we went through. Uh, I think our culture just grew stronger. Our core values were more present than ever. And uh, I, I think we realized if we're going to bring anybody on board, if we're going to do an m and uh, it, it, it needs to be so well aligned with us that we're, we're just very picky. It, it, it just usually does not uh, make it past our initial um, discovery and, and, and uh, due diligence. So. Yeah, I, and I, I appreciate you coming back to the M&A question, too, because it's it's not for everyone and it doesn't have to be. Um, we did a session at RA Edge looking at all the sort of increased number of options for mergers and acquisition activity. Um, and you know, David Cantor, who I've known for a decade or so, just listed the eight or nine different options that you have now. And the first one is do nothing. Right. Um, and that's an important thing to think about because you're growing. You built the firm organically. And I do want to come back to the G3 for a moment. Um, and if it's working um, and you have the ability to be picky because you're successful, then good for you. <laughs> Continue to do nothing, right? But keep keep your mind open 
Um, with that, can you tell me a little bit about the G3 and what exactly they're tasked with? You mentioned that they're capable of selling, but what does that actually look like and how are they bringing in business? Sure. So again, originally their task was really, hey, succession. You, you're going to work with your senior advisor. You're going to make sure in transition. Uh, a lot of those those clients, you're going to do all the servicing. You're going to do all the planning. You know, all the heavy lifting is on you. That was the, the task. That was the mission. And then uh, we've transitioned now to the point where uh, each of those advisors is held to a goal, a production goal. Uh, we've changed our incentives. We changed our comp, all driving at um, we need you to generate business. Uh, this is the the future of the firm. the The majority of them, by the way, are shareholders of the firm as well. So there, okay. there's, there's again, we 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 focused a lot on making sure all the incentives uh, were right. I'm not saying they're perfect. We keep evolving. That's something we keep looking at every year uh, as we transition. And then specifically what we did, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, they were doing the heavy lifting. So what we've done, and it's been painful uh, in terms of the strategic trade-off, which is we've had to hire people a little bit early. Mm-hmm. And you know, in our business, we fo- there's, there's so many metrics now. That's the good and the bad news is uh, the good news is you can go look and see what uh, your number should be and, and all the, uh, the different metrics uh, when you compare to everybody else. But when you have to hire ahead of time and make that trade-off, uh, you know there was a lot of pressure. Uh, I'm a recent CEO of the firm, and uh, you know having to to take the chance or stick my neck out to say I think we are we're going to accelerate our growth, but we need to free up now these advisors. They we they can't be doing the heavy lifting. They can't be doing. Uh, all the client-facing services, the financial planning, and, and and all the wealth management services we provide. So we had to hire early, and hire if you would the next generation, call it the G four, of of people behind the scenes, not not they're client-facing, but not as much, but that, that are now doing that heavy lifting. So we have to we've kept adjusting our teams uh, to provide lift to to provide scale and capacity to that uh, G3 generation that is the one that's creating the stable growth for us right now. Yeah, I, I think this might actually be the first mention of G4 on the RI Edge podcast. So thank you for taking us into uncharted waters. I appreciate that, Jason. <laughs> we're we're get, either we're getting there faster than I expected, or I'm just getting older and been in this business too long. Um, but yeah, just one final question on you know, the G3 and sort of the expansion of the way you think about. Um, you know, the roles of advisors and creating more capacity for them. Um, one of the sort of biggest question marks, you know, in this industry, in my view, isn't do I need to hire, um, but it's where do I find the right talent, right? Um, and it's not easy. Um, it's competitive. You know, we've done some research over the last year, and we estimate that firms that are over you know, a billion, about two thirds of them are hiring a brand new position that they've you know, never had before, Um so, you know, the industry, especially the upper end, is definitely in expansion mode. When you've gone out and you've added these individuals, you know, G3, um, have there been certain pools that have been successful for you? And how have you generally approached you know, the sort of the casting of the net, right, to attract not just you know, eyeballs and interests, right, but the right eyeballs, right, and the right types of talent to your firm? Fair uh, and very good question. Uh, I'm, I'm having to go back in history. So I do remember... <laughs> 
maybe uh, the last time we recruited an advisor, call it a G3 advisor, was maybe three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and we did that. Uh, it, it was just advertising. Uh, I, I think the story of our firm resonated with some people that were seeing struggles, that were seeing uh, growth. Uh, and opportunities. There were there wasn't an opportunity to uh, be a, a partner at a firm, or or the culture wasn't clear. We were very open about uh, who we were, and and that attracted some people. But we started seeing, um, I guess, a struggle with that. Uh, we were not as successful as we wanted, um, and we started growing. To be to to be completely open with you, we started growing our advisors from within. So a lot of that G4 now is in essence not recruited, rather um, it's grown within. Okay. Um, we have a very successful intern uh, intern program. Uh, it's a, a one-year internship. And then because of our reputation, again, as the chicken or the egg, I wish we would have had that way back in the day when I was yeah. early in the firm, but okay, that's part of the benefit of being around for a while. Uh, we, we, we have a great reputation for having one of the top um, internship programs in the region. And uh, we, we just hired somebody, for example, and uh, they were at the top of their class, uh, summa cum laude. And I was talking to the, to the hiring managers. I said, man, I, I, I would have never had that opportunity back in the day. I was mm. like, if somebody could just answer an ad and show up. Uh, but now... Oh, we get to pick from the best people available in the area. And um, and that's what we're doing. Uh, we're growing people from within. They start at a junior position. Um, but the, by the way, by, by the time they start, they've been with the firm probably a year already. So they're already, in essence, an employee that knows the ins and outs. They already know if they like the culture. They already know what we have to offer and why it would be a good idea to uh, to build a career with us. Yeah, and I think I'm glad you brought up the internship program that you have, and I'm glad you called it a program, right? Uh, because it, we don't talk about it enough on this podcast, but I've talked to and worked with a lot of RAs that have put real you know, programs in place, and the success rate is incredible. Um, and also, you know, it helps you avoid you know, failure rate, too. Um, if you're not giving an intern a tremendous amount of responsibility, right? Or at least you know, high risk <laughs> responsibility. Um, oh. yeah, then yeah, the, the, the overall you know, program just lets you see how much or how little potential somebody has or how good a fit or how poor a fit they might be. Um, and the majority of the companies that I've talked to that have legitimate internship programs um, have ended up hiring you know, quite a bit. And it seems to be the smartest and most effective way to grow talent, particularly if you have a long-term vision, the way that you described Halbert Hargrove and your approach to running the firm. So thank you for bringing that up. We don't talk about it enough here. And I'd encourage any one of our listeners who's really thinking about how to build talent to you know, reach out to others that you know that have an internship program. Um, and we can certainly help connect at RA Edge here. Yeah, JC, before we let you run, I do want to kind of come back and you know, offer a, a look into the future a little bit. We started by talking about you know whether or not this is a bull market for financial advice. Um, if we were to look out a little bit further, say three to five years, um, where do you see some of the most significant growth opportunities for Howard Hard Growth, um, but also for advisors in general? So um, I'm thinking uh, definitely um, we're leveraging 
maybe the 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 maybe the reputation of the firm, some of the accolades we've gotten. Uh, we've definitely focusing a lot on digital marketing. Um, that requires uh, having content, and it requires telling our story better than we ever have. We've been, right? It's been about us. We never needed to uh, focus towards the outside, and uh, we're making some changes. We we've made um, some significant changes to make sure that comes together. Uh, one of the biggest changes we made, uh, and by the way, you can you can you can tell part of our. Uh, I think core value is is being fearless, um, mm -hmm. believing in a strategy and executing it. So, one of the things we did last year that that we think it's it's setting us up for that future growth uh, that you're asking me is, we moved one of our most and I'm sorry I smirked as I said it because I remember the the criticism or the challenges we heard early on when we were thinking of doing it. But um, one of our most successful G3 advisors. Uh, the one that seemed to be more more independent than all of them. Um, we we moved his role. We took him out of, of producing and generating business for us, uh, and his focus now is uh, to become our CIO. Uh, he's a co-CIO right now, but um, people looked at us uh, like if we had two heads. Like, why in the world, when your focus is growth, would you move somebody to become, in essence, overhead? And uh, the answer is because we believe in the future. We believe we need somebody who can speak up, uh, to, to the, you know, to, to the to, to the world or to the audience uh, for a firm about why we invest the way we do, how we go about things, how we think about the world. Uh, and not only that, but but help all the other advisors. Uh, you know, there, there's no doubt every firm out there knows that uh, every day we have to come up with new investment strategies, new alternatives. It becomes harder and harder for the whole firm to really be be well versed in everything we do, uh, and that in, in the investment side of the business. And uh, <clears throat> we we felt we needed to make that investment. Uh, and uh, anyway, that that's that's I think overall. The primary, the primary way we're looking at, it. we're going to keep uh, executing on that succession plan that we were just talking about. So, a lot of our thrust really is that G four uh, is is bulking up there. Uh, we'll keep hiring or keep promoting from within uh, the people from our internship program and what have you. Uh, we'll definitely be open to M and A, but again, we'll be very very picky. Uh, it has to be. Uh, what we call a an opportunistic uh, situation where somebody knows about us, knows exactly what a culture is, they fit right into it and so on. So I'll stop there and make sure I'm answering the question. You nailed it. And I appreciate you coming back to some of the other drivers of growth that we touched on too. And it, it, it's amazing. You say it's boring um, and maybe you know, there's no headline, right? um that you would write about you know the primary driver of your growth but it's definitely not boring um it's definitely thoughtful it's strategic it's long term um and i think a lot of our listeners are probably in a similar situation where they're thinking about how do i drive meaningful sustainable growth but do it in a way that might not be essentially revolutionary but more evolutionary um and i think you've laid out a pretty good plan and a great blueprint for our listeners so jc thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today i appreciate it very welcome, Mark. Great conversation. Thank you. And I will need to have you back 
at some point soon. I, I didn't bring it up earlier, but I have to before we let you run. I, I read that you swim with sharks. So if I ever do a podcast on you know, extreme RIA activities, um, you will be my first interview. So um, <laughs> had to bring it up. It was very impressive. And hopefully you're going to find some time this weekend to do something like that. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, JC, for being on the podcast. We really do appreciate it. It was great to get an up close and personal look at Halbert Hartgrove and what's been driving your growth and success. So again, thank you and congrats for all the progress that you've made over the years. Um, and thank you to everybody for tuning in to the RIA Edge podcast. Again, just a reminder, uh, JC will be speaking at the first ever RIA Edge West conference, which is taking place September 27th through September 29th at the Ritz-Carlton in Marina del Rey. So if anybody has any additional questions about that, you can go to informaconnect.com slash edge for more details. JC, thank you very much for joining us. And thank you to everybody for stopping by the RA Edge podcast. Take care. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RAA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business, and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RAA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com.